Welcome to episode 48 of the BM Cast. Not a podcast that casts first day of class into Chatterstorm, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I'm joined by the tireless provisioner herself, Emma. How are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm reading a bit from the hockey playoffs last night. I know you're not really into sports, but it's the NHL What's Stanley Cup playoffs happened last night and <laughs> my team had, it was just a heartbreaking game. I'm still reading from it a little bit. Um, Otherwise, I've been mm. busy being an adult because I'm sorting out paperwork to move. I'm moving to a new place soon. Um, nice. So, unfortunately, I haven't had a lot of time to do anything magic-related because I've, the adulthood has been demanded of me. Um, mm. With the small downtime I have had this week, I've made a list of cards I want to grab from Modern Horizons 2 for my peasant queue. Highlights are Tyler's Provisioner, Rakdos Headliner, and mm. Later Dinner. I did do a series of tweets on it on Twitter. Um, it's linked in the show notes if you want to check it out to see the sort of things I want to in, like, include. Otherwise, it's just a combination of paperwork, packing, and just working. How about you? Nice. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I've been working hard on a new deck for Modern with the arrival of Modern Horizons 2. I'm mm. making a Hollow One deck on a budget. Ooh. And it's proving to be extremely promising. Or, well, more specifically, it was until Asmora... That's the name we're giving as as more of a blah 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 so yes, absolutely stonks. Very happy with that speculation buy. What normally happens with me is I say that a card is really, really good and you should buy it. And then I just don't do it myself because I either forget about it or, or something. And then I end up suffering because it turns out that I'm actually right quite often, yeah. which I don't understand because it's not like I'm smart or I know any of this stuff. I just play with the card and I'm like, Mm, this got, can be broken so you've got good card evaluation you've got good intuition for it as well just as someone who writes about budget magic you just kind of know what, what people want yeah so that's it's a good it. skill to have I, I literally just turned a couple of forests backwards and wrote Asmora on it and stuffed them into some sleeves and just yeah. pe- played like goldfished out in paper and I was like this performs nothing like it reads on paper it is broken yeah so yeah sometimes just playing with the cards turns out so the one thing I enjoyed, so before recording, Scott showed me the deck, the Hollow One deck, like all the proxies and stuff. And my favorite proxy is just uh, the back of a magic card and it just says cow on it for, for bartered cow. And I just found it really funny because you don't have any yeah. bartered cows, which is like this common slash uncommon from Throne of Eldraine. <laughs> common from Eldraine. Yeah, I have, I have one copy of one bartered cow in the deck and the other three just says in the corner 3w for the the casting cost and then 33 in the corner for the parent toughness yeah. and then it just says cow yeah it just so. just the simplicity of it tickled me yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i i know what it does so that's all yeah. that matters like it's fine you're not gonna cast it ever so <laughs> no 
Uh, my article this week, by the way, speaking of Modern Horizons 2, it's all about the best cards from Modern Horizons 2 that nobody's talking about. So I cover Modern and Commander. I cover the best common, uncommon, and rare for each format, mm-hmm. plus an honorary mention for each one. That's now live on Card Kingdom, so you can go check that out after the show. And that's it for Magic. Outside of Magic, I'm doing Grant. Um, Food-wise, I made my own ketchup this week. Ooh, okay. Was nice. What was mm. what kind of ketchup? Just plain or...? Uh, it's just yeah, I'm I'm starting off with with making a couple of different sauces. The nice. one that I did here now is a ketchup, but it was using tinned cherry tomatoes instead, so it's a much sweeter kind mm, of thing. Okay. It's a little too sweet in my opinion, but you know, it's a it's a process. It's a process. It'll get there. Yeah. Um, still very good though. I'm I'm absolutely throwing it all over everything. Still, like I'm halfway through the bottle in the course of a week. So like, it's like me when I made some jam the other week. I made some blueberry jam and I just <laughs> lathered it on everything. So it's like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Homemade stuff. Yeah. You, you know what the shepherd that. pie needs? More jam. Yeah. <laughs> Are we becoming the condiments cast now? Are we just going to make chutney oh, jams and, and sauces? I'm a big chutney fan. I know you, you know are. I'm big chutney I want to make some chutney over Christmas. That's going to be my thing. I want to do some mango chutney. So that sounds really good. Yeah. yeah. That That's actually what I've been doing for, for my family and Leanne, my partner's family. Uh, we've been doing like a little food hamper every Christmas. That's what I want to do. It's, yeah, it's a lot of, like, homemade stuff. I make, uh, like, homemade spiced chutney, cranberry sauce and that kind of thing. And then, like, a few, like, bits of like, cheese and crackers good. and that kind of thing. It's real good. Oh, it's very, I really very want to make cranberry sauce. So, yeah, I was planning to do something similar and just do, like, jams, chutneys, maybe cranberry mm-hmm. sauce and that sort of thing. Because if there's one thing yeah. people are bad about at Christmas is buying themselves really nice food. And the fact that yep. you're giving something like that is uh, it's very thoughtful. It's, it's a lot more, it's a lot more effort than just buying something off Amazon. Yeah. We are now a food cast, by the way. Yeah, we're now a food cast. Let me tell you how to make the perfect garlic-infused oil. Uh, no, <laughs> that's that's for next episode, maybe. That's a that's a Patreon um, tier, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the food stonks exclusive. Let us know if that's a Patreon tier you want. By the way, yeah, <laughs> we'll we're open to ideas. <laughs> we will shill our food stuff for the masses. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, aside from ketchup, uh, <laughs> I've been I've been finishing off Mass Effect One, the original version. Like I said, I'm just doing another replay, um, and I'm also getting back into Sudoku. Oh, okay. So I know I know it was a fad from like freaking ten years ago or whatever, when everyone was like, "Oh, Sudoku was the whole that, all yeah. brain training kind of thing," you know, all that crap. Uh, I got really into it about a year or two ago when I discovered a YouTube channel called Cracking the Cryptic. Mm-hmm. They're a Sudoku channel primarily. Um, it's run by two UK puzzle champions. And they just cover like different tricks and techniques and like how to process okay. the, the puzzle based on like logic and assumptions based on things that you can see. And there's loads of tricks and techniques like that. There's oddball puzzles as well. Like they do Sudoku puzzles that have like weird stipulations and stuff. And I might have to check this out because I do like me a good puzzle. It's really, really good. Uh, they they exploded in popularity, like, I think it was like six to eight months ago. Okay. Um, a, a bunch of people, like half a million people, just found them online and went, these guys are great. Wow. Out of nowhere. They just appreciated that it was just two guys just being like, we made a YouTube channel and hundreds of videos on this thing that we like. And then everyone was like, we should celebrate that. And I thought that was neat. That's so, neat. That's cool. Yeah. They're real good to have on in the background as well, because it's just chill, like nice keyboard noises and just like relaxed voice it's just great to have on in the background you know especially if you're you're working away in your own kind mm. of thing all right so emma have we got any housekeeping this week um so we've got a little bit of housekeeping it's just more to reiterate that what we announced on twitter last week which is the bm cast mm. now has a discord hurrah 
it's been popping yes. off quite nicely there's been a nice bit of engagement from people so thank you very much for those who have contributed so far the discord yeah. is available for anyone to join we are not paywalling it in any particular way however we are looking to do a special discord channel for patrons um, once we kind of figure out what people would like so if you are a patron of the bmcast don't hesitate to get in touch and be like hey i want to see this thing in in, a, in our exclusive discord channel because we're open to ideas but yeah just let us know um at worst i'll dm you and we'll find out something if you enjoy the bm cast and would like to support them you can become a patron for as little as three dollars you'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right. So before we jump into the meat and bones of the episode, I have a very quick card of the week for you this week. I like this one because it's a white card. <laughs> yes. So. The card this week is Collective Effort. It is one white-white sorcery from Eldritch Moon, and it reads, first of all, Escalate. You can tap an untapped creature you control, pay this cost for each mode chosen beyond the first, and you choose one or more. Destroy target creature with power four or greater, destroy target enchantment, or put a plus one plus one counter on each creature target player controls. So it's super, super flexible. You can remove problem enchantments or creatures. You know, if something's getting particularly big or troublesome, you can pump your entire team. You can use it to pump an opponent's team and use it as a, you know, political play of some sort or that kind of thing. Um, really good index with counter synergies. The thing that makes this so powerful is using multiple modes on this for no additional mana cost is incredibly powerful. Like I've I've said this so many times this week already, especially with the new Modern Horizons cards, but it's true here as well. If you can do something for free, it's at least powerful, if not busted. Yeah. So, yeah, collective effort. It's a good one. Yeah. But moving on to the rest, we are having a little bit of a variety episode this week because, well, we have a bunch of little things to sort of talk about. One is we're going to talk about one or two of the cards from the rest of the previews um, that we didn't get to last week. Then we're going to be talking about a couple of budget pickups from Modern Horizons 2 and then finish off before the Q&A with the state of Popper with Modern Horizons because mm. there's there's a bit to chat about there as well. So a lot going on. Yes. Now, first off, we are talking about the rest of the previews. So Emma, now that the whole set is out, what are your thoughts? I still stick with my thoughts of what I said last week where the set seems really sweet. I'm really excited for it. Doesn't feel like there's anything super busted. So we don't have like a Ren and Six mm. on our hands or an Arkham's Astrolabe or a Hogak. Um, everything seems equally power level mm-hmm. in terms of like what that power is going to do to the format. It's, it's very it's too early to say. Like we're seeing some really cool stuff knocking about in modern now, like the stuff with the hollow one. You've got um, mm-hmm. the cool kind of food decks with the um, with the new artifact that you talked about last week. And yeah, I'm just kind of I'm just kind of excited to see what happens. Granted, my take my age like milk on a hot summer's day because it is Modern <laughs> Horizons. But overall, I'm quite impressed and excited for the set. I'm not excited about the price of the set and the lack of and the accessibility of it, but I'm excited for the for the design. I'm pretty excited for it. Yep. Yeah. I'm. I'm pretty much the same. Yep. I'm sure there are one or two cards that are probably going to now. This is not in relation to, before I finish the sentence, this is not in relation to any specific card, but I do feel that there will probably be a card, I would say a card, that will see a ban within the first, like, say, three months. 
Oh, really? Now, I'm not saying that because I think there is anything that's ban-worthy, but what I do think is that this set is one of the most powerful sets of all time. Like, it's above Eldraine, it's above probably Urza's Saga. You know, like, it's real high. It's real, real high. There's no way a set like that can exist and not cause some sort of problem somewhere. So far, we haven't seen it. I hope we don't see it. And I don't know what could do it, though I might have one or two little inklings as to what might be the most powerful early things to do. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really necessarily mean anything, you know, like we always gravitate towards some like immediately obvious powerful things and then find out that like something else is actually busted later. So, yeah. So like a lot of people are like a little bit concerned, for example, on like the Hollow One decks and stuff and being like, oh God, we're getting a Feasting Troll King back on turn two or whatever. And like, yeah, that is kind of scary. But at the same time, it's like Dredge where it's like it's all in on this plan. And, you know, if it goes wrong, you are in trouble. <laughs> like, Plus what? As time of recording, we're recording this on a Sunday. Like it's been on Modo for like three days. Mm-hmm. So of course, a lot of people are just going to try the new cards instead of yeah. finding the answers because the answers aren't there yet so of course there's not going to be a load of hate for all these kind of cards because people are just playing with them they just got them like a couple of days ago so why wouldn't you yeah. want to play with the, the the card with a really long name and feasting troll kings like so it's, yeah. it's, it's a new format so people are just going to go ahead yeah absolutely like the the troll king thing like i said is what i've been trying to do over the last couple of days mm. and like it is really really powerful like incredibly powerful but you also have to remember that this is a boost that was given to the hollow one deck but at the same time there were other countless boosts that were given to all other modern decks as well so this might just be the power level that we're looking at for modern going forward yeah. and if that's the case that's that's kind of cool to be honest because the different archetypes like this like when something like hollow one can exist and have reasonable game but get hated out in a similar way that dredge can that sounds okay to me mm. you know now i know i'm biased because i love it but like i kind of yeah. like it too i like the idea of it i i enjoyed playing red black hollow one back in its heyday um with favorite looting mm. i know you're not a big fan of it because the black seems a bit seems a bit weird like it seems a bit forced but I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I can. I really like Hollow One as a card. I think it's a really cool design yeah. and it's a fun build around. Yeah. I have a hot take when it comes to the Black Red Hollow One deck of old. And okay. It's not necessarily a, a, a problem with that deck, but a problem with the card that's in it. Like, I know why they ran Black. It was for, like, Bloodgast and, you know, some Collective Brutalities and that kind of thing. And they all kind of made sense. I just don't like Gurmag Angler in Modern, like, at all. Like, I know it sounds real powerful, like, oh, one mana, five, five, but really? Is that what you want to be doing? Do you want to be spending ages filling your bin, a couple of turns filling your bin or whatever, in order to then just play a five, five that doesn't do anything when it enters the battlefield or give you any extra value or is terrible to be, say, I don't know, bounced by a brazen borrower that's seeing loads of play in these Teamer Cascade decks now yeah. because it doesn't get hit off of a Shardless Agent. Like, I really don't think that is the kind of thing that anyone wants to be doing. That's my hot take. I just don't think Gurmag Angler is good in the format anymore. Then again, but, I haven't seen Gurmag yeah. Angler in Modern for a while now because Grixis Death Shadow is not really a thing anymore because it's more like Jund and stuff. And yeah. even then, they're not running Gurmag Angler. So. Yeah, but they're to run in Tarmogoyf. That's just as bad, right? But what what decade are we in? Like, like <laughs> Zoo's coming back as well? Are we just going back in time at this point? <laughs> Now time's just looping in a circle now. We're just, we're starting over, but stronger. So Black White Tokens next week, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Time is a construct. Got it? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, the, the set's bananas. I, like, I know this was a bit of a tangent we went on here, but like, it's just, it's, it's crazy. I, like, at, at the time of recording, 
I've jumped on to like 20 or 30 different streams at this point, and there are a lot of people playing the Hollow One decks, but aside from them, like every deck is different. Everyone is doing something ridiculous, mm. you know? And let's be real, if you're not keeping up with the format and you're going like, oh, my deck that I've had for six years is no longer powerful enough, maybe it's time. Like I'm feeling that with Tron, to be honest. Ah, like, Tron's fine. Yeah, like I know Tron is quite on quite fine yeah but turn free khan is not as good as what it used to be that's like that feels a little bit fair in in the midst of everything else like these troll kings and stuff so and not to yeah. mention there is like a load of hate for tron at the moment not saying that's going to get played but there's a lot mm. of hate for tron so i'm just like do i just play something else like we talked about last week how i'm going to pick up dredge like because that seems yeah. quite fun so yeah, yeah like maybe maybe i just need to shelve tron for a while and just save it for a rainy day it's just like just take the old girl out for one more t- one more go kind of thing. I've I've actually got a hot take on this as well. And that is now's the best time to be playing Tron. And the reason yeah. I say that is because everybody is like, oh, you know what we should do? Pack an absolute metric ass ton of graveyard hate for these hollow one decks. And then you're just like, lol, Karen go burr. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> it's, the, it's the ideal time. Mm. You know, because people are looking at all this new hate that's been printed and being like, oh, Tron's dead, lol, Tron's dead. And then... If Tron's dead, those people are going to exercise the rationale and be like, well, if Tron's dead, I don't have to worry about it, so I can dedicate these sideboard slots to something else. And that's the dredge effect, where people take their graveyard hate out of their sideboards, and then someone comes along with dredge and just spikes a tournament. It's going to be the same with Tron. That's just... It's just going to be a cyclical metagame thing. (laughs) There's definitely a chance. There's always a chance when it comes to turn to Recarn. Yeah, for sure. But, yes, we do want to cover one or two other little pieces from the previews we have three cards that we want to talk about um the first is the last in the cycle of the free cards the evoke spells so we saw the black one was grief the white one was solitude Solitude. the blue one was subtlety the green one was not important and the red one is the one we're talking about now that's it uh the red one we're talking about now is fury so fury is three red red creature it's an elemental incarnation as well it's a three three with double strike and you evoke it by exiling a red card from your hand if you wish and when it enters the battlefield it deals four damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers so it is definitely the weakest in the cycle in my opinion that doesn't necessarily make it a bad card However, I can never see myself ever paying 5 mana for a 3-3 that dies to a lightning bolt. Like, I know dice removal is a terrible argument, but when you're investing 5 mana in a format where you often win on turn 4, that seems really stupid. Like, actively bad planning to aim to play this for its mana cost. And evoking it, sure, it might act like, you know, like a mini pyroclasm or whatever, but it, it's really dependent on what you're facing up against. Because this, against, say, like, Prowess is terrible. Like, really, actively super bad. Like, imagine if there was a Soulscar Mage and a Swift Spear on board, and they were tapped out, and you went Fury, uh, killed the two of them, and they just went in response, mutagenic growth, um, and you've dealt two damage to each one. Mm. They're now both not dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you've just lost two cards for their one. You have two for one yourself and you are no better off on board. Yeah. Now, I know that's a very specific example. Like you could use other cases where you're like killing mana dorks and a couple of other little taxing creatures or whatever, which is kind of neat. But I see Fury being good against, say, like the taxes decks. 
you know, Esper Sentinel, Talia, X1 that kind Dex. of thing. Yeah, exactly. But they're already not doing that great because Lava Dart, so... Yeah, this is it. You just play Lava Dart instead, right? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Or even, to be honest, I probably wouldn't be against some red decks just running a single, like, Forked Bolt. Yeah, because people are playing mana dorks again. People are back with like humans because of all the new humans. You and got the goblin Recruiter one as well. And the ignoble hierarch, Ignoble you know, hierarch. and Ragavan. Like people are all playing with this stuff. Like in red decks, just run a fork bolt. Like don't run fury. You, two for one, your opponent, not yourself. Come on, play these decks right, people. But <laughs> there, I've said my piece. Oh no, the final thing on fury. And we're actually going to touch on this again in a little while. Is that Mind Collapse is an effectively better card as it's an instant and doesn't put you down on cards in hand as well. Mm. Like that's super critical. But we'll get to that again later. Emma, you've got a, a nice one here. I do. I'm quite excited for this one. This is probably one of my favourite uncommons from the set. And that's Tidus Provisioner. So if you haven't seen the card, it is a green elf scout. For, for relevance, elf might be relevant for like commander, who knows. Um, so for two generic and a green, you get a creature that is a free two. And it reads, it has landfall. Uh, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, create a food or treasure token. So obviously this is a nod to Tidus Tracker, which is a fantastic card from Shadows Over Innistrad. And yeah, this seems really, really sweet because, you know, you have landfall decks in commander and you have green decks in commander just like because a green is just obviously a ramp color right so you just mm -hmm. ramp and you get more ramp or life gain you're probably just going to go with the with the you know with the treasure token in commander but you know the food tokens relevant if against like aggressive decks and so so forth yep. also if you're looking to build like golgari rock or like a jun deck in modern on a budget this is not a bad placeholder on tidus tracker because it does offset the aggressive decks like against prowess and it does allow you to ramp as well if you're struggling on lands yeah. with that it's probably going to be expensive at some point because it is modern horizons 2 and it is an uncommon and uncommons are sometimes harder to find than mythics in a lot of cases um they mm. are two dollars each at the moment i'd be tempted just to pick up a set and forget about them just because there's a lot of commander decks that want Absolutely. this. And it's probably going to be a staple in like green decks going forward. 100%. Very this is actually card. one of the cards I talk about in my article this week. And yeah, it's... I know all the comparisons are being made to Tireless Tracker, but it's effectively a Lotus Cobra that's better. Yeah. Because you don't have to spend the mana immediately. It's so powerful. It's so incredibly powerful. At an uncommon, this is easily one of the most powerful power to price ratio cards in the entire format i think mm. yeah super super strong speaking of in terms of mana generation and that kind of thing there's another card we need to talk about here right because i i know a couple of people got a little bit excited about it and then sort of didn't think too much of it and that is goblin anarchomancer so goblin anarchomancer is red green for a 2-2 creature it's a goblin shaman at common and it says each spell you cast that's red or green costs one less to cast. So people originally looked at this and went, oh, it's like Goblin Electromancer, except color shifted into the Gruul Clan. So that's kind of cool, right? Except Goblin Electromancer reduces the cost of instants and sorceries, which, you know, that sees play in a lot of like Spellslinger decks and that kind of thing. This is just going to go into red green decks in Commander full stop. This is literally an Emerald Medallion and a Ruby Medallion on a stick not common now yes it is harder to cast it's easier to remove but who cares like this is such a potent effect i i can't see how you wouldn't run this 
you know you'd have to have a specific reason like you don't want small creatures or something like this or whatever but this is just such a reduction yeah Yeah, like this is such a huge cost reduction over the course of even a couple of turns like if this gets you three mana worth of reduction that's worth it you know so yeah this is this is a huge one pick up a bunch of them if you can they're only going to be a few cents uh, but you're going to be looking for these for your commander decks going forward same with tireless provisioner 100%. One hundred percent. So what we're just saying is, pick up green cards. <laughs> Pretty much. Turns out green's good. Who knew? Who would have thought? Um, <laughs> so the next one is one that you're quite excited about, Scott, and that is Dragon Race Channeler. Yes. So for one red mana, you get a human shaman, and it reads: Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you may surveil one. Uh, surveil one is when you look at the top card of your library. Uh, you can put that card into your graveyard, or you can keep it on top. Um, and it also has Delirium, which is as long as there are four or more card types among your graveyard, Dragon Race Chandler gets plus two, plus two, has flying, and attacks each combat if available. Mm-hmm. This just seems really good in just like the Red X Prowess decks, right? Because it's just a nice filter between Swift Spear and Soul Scar Mage, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So Swift Spear is the best one drop in Prowess decks for being aggressive. Soul Scar Mage is the best one drop in Prowess decks for dealing with creatures on board. Dragon's Rage Channeler is going to be the best one drop for being able to smooth out your draws and filter what you're doing. I have a hot take on this, though, as well. Okay. It's not just good in Red Prowess or whatever. I honestly think that this is the new Delver of Modern. Interesting. I can see that. Because Modern has always been somewhat graveyard-focused, right? Mm. Like, decks that aren't graveyard decks still just have incidental graveyard ability like look at blue eye control with snapcaster mage or look at you know sometimes death shadow with you know traverse or goifs or whatever you know jund same there dragon's race chandler is just the red equivalent of that you know like run it in say like mono red prowess you forget about the obosh plan you just go mono red prowess you have some bedlam revelers this helps fuel the bedlam revelers quicker it helps turn on its own delirium quicker And it's just a pretty good aggressive creature overall. I really feel like this is one of the most powerful uncommons from the entire set for the modern format. I really do think that this might actually just make Mono Red Prowess the best Prowess deck again. Mm. I can see that. I know that's a, a very strong statement given the power of all of the blue cards that are in is a prowess and the explosiveness of the red white prowess lists but i i think this is the real deal for sure yeah i do actually have a rudimentary deck list involving dragon's rage channeler for uh, mono red prowess and modern so i'll list that in the show notes as well it looks to use a couple of little things like it has a tar fire in order to have a tribal card in the graveyard in order to help turn on delirium a little easier it has one seal of fire to do the same thing that sort of stuff so yeah if you have access to the show notes um check that out so emma there was a card that we talked about last week that i believe we're still high on for a couple of reasons yep so that is academy manufacturer so if you don't know what it did or what it does for free mana so free generic mana is an artifact creature it is an assembly worker and it is a one three so what you get is if you create a clue food or a treasure token you create one of each instead which seems pretty good this card can fit into like fairy shells with cards such as tireless tracker or gilded goose or even tireless provisioner as well like mm. the one we just mentioned earlier 
you mentioned last week that it could be a combo piece with something like Clock of Omens as well. Um, and there could yes. be an Urza deck in the works where you can run with these. Um, so you have an Urza deck with Goose, Guild of Goose, whatever mentioned, Clock of Omens, and probably a combination of Grinding Station as well could be quite fun. It could be quite mm-hmm. powerful with like uh, Underworld Breach as well. Yeah. Just the ability to triple your tokens just seems really, really powerful just on its own. Yeah. Especially, they can all do one thing. So they gain your life, you gain mana, you draw cards. All the three things you really want to do in, ma- in Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of potential, and I'd be very excited to see like yourself and others like how to break it. Because even Canister's streaming it this weekend for the Modern Challenge. And if say, Canister's yeah. interested in it, surely there's got to be something there, right? Generally speaking, yeah. It, it probably involves some sort of artifact nonsense. And you know what? I'm here for it. So, yeah. Like tripling tokens like yeah i you it's, can't just overlook that like it's too strong it's also a one three so it doesn't get lava darted which is huge yep yep absolutely it does also it is also able to be gotten back with an emery which is pretty relevant yes. so important and an unearth you know so could be yeah. you know blue black or something as well mm. There's definitely something. I like we t- we talked at length about this last week as well, but there's definitely something there. Yeah, for sure. So one I want to talk about, which I think people just kind of forgot that got previewed at the start of the Modern Horizons two preview season. That was Quirion Ranger. So I think oh, yeah. everyone was so obsessed with squirrels and were talking about squirrels, and then this came out, and then people kind of forgot it got previewed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Quirion Ranger is going to be a modern, which is massive for like elf elf decks, right? Um, so if you don't know what Korean Ranger does, it was a card back in Visions. Um, it sees a lot of play in like Legacy Elves. Um, and you, so for one green mana, you get a 1-1 Elf Ranger, and it reads, uh, Return a forest you control to its own hand, untap target creature, and you can only activate it once each turn. So not just your turn, it could be on your opponent's turn as well. It can be a little awkward because we've got stuff like Renin 6, you've still got Lava Darts knocking about. Um, but there's a lot of combo potential in Elves. Um, especially with like, it's really great with like an Elvish Ice Druid, so you can just do more nonsense. It just feels really, really yeah. powerful. Um, especially like Legacy Elves is also quite good. Picking up a playset for modern just feels like the safe thing to do because the original printing, so the Visions printing, is $5 each at the moment. These are at $2 each at the moment. So it just feels really good just to get a playset and forget about it because it's going to go back up again because it's got the important typing. And if you're into foils as well, getting a foil version of this is going to be a lot cheaper than the FNM promo, which is like $200 at the moment because it's yeah. an elf. But yeah, this is another one that I just surprised people haven't talked about more often because it's Quarian Ranger, which is one of the most underrated elves in like Legacy Elves, for example. So I think people were wanting Wildwood Symbiote because that's never going to happen, but this is still quite good. Yeah, I was actually mentioning this to you earlier before we hit mm. record, is... I've had this conversation a lot over the last week where I talk about a card and I talk about how it's really strong and then someone says, but it's not this card, you know, say, you know, Faithless Salvaging, it's it's no Faithless Looting or, you know, Strike It Rich or it's no Manamorphose. It doesn't have to be. It just doesn't have to be, you know, like there is a huge gap between stupid, busted, powerful level and bad. You know, there is somewhere in the middle that a card like that can just be good and exist and be a role player and be fine and good for the format. 
Quarian Ranger fits into that. The other cards I mentioned here fit into that. Just because something isn't the most busted thing you can do doesn't mean you should then just instantly dismiss and overlook it. Yeah. Yes, this dies to Lava Dart, but like, that's going to be your downfall for ignoring this card. Because this card is one of the few cards, in my opinion, that you should run despite Lava Dart. Because yes. it's so powerful that if you untap with this, you are going to get so far ahead. That and you do have lords as well, so it's probably gonna be like a two-two or a three-three by the end of it. So as long as it can survive, if it depends how you're playing it, obviously. But mm -hmm. there are enough laws in, in elves to you know circumvent the lava dart issue. But no, this card's nuts, and I'm just surprised more people aren't talking about it because it's Quirion Ranger. But yeah, yep. like if you're the, if you're playing elves in commander and you don't have a copy, pick one up because it's gonna do you a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of cards that are not getting any talk about whatsoever so far i have another one and i talk about it in this week's article as well because i i simply cannot fathom how this has not been spoken about at all yet by basically anybody and that is mind collapse so mind collapse is three and a red for an instant and it says mind collapse deals five damage to target creature or planeswalker that doesn't sound all that great until you read the other piece of text that says, if it's your turn, you may sacrifice a mountain rather than pay the spell's mana cost. So you can tap a mountain, float red, and then sacrifice it to deal five damage to something and still have that red floating. I don't see how people aren't seeing the power behind that, right? Oh. Because it's a free spell. Now, it has a drawback because you have to play it on your turn. You know, but that's okay because any deck that wants to cast several cheaper free spells always want to do it on the turn anyway. Think Prowess, think Phoenix, think literally anything, right? It can kill most creatures and planeswalkers in the format for zero mana. That alone is just fantastic, you know? It is secretly busted. I'm calling it now. This is a crazy powerful card. This is almost always going to be better than the likes of Gutshot. It's just so potent. It's so extremely powerful. This is the card that I was talking about earlier when I was saying that Fury felt like a letdown because this feels roughly on par with it and you're not going down cards in hand in order to do that. You know, you, you can use an expended resource of a tapped mountain or whatever, you know, in the case of if you're flooding or whatever. It's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. Buy a playset now. They're like five cents. Like what's going to happen? Like they're going to bottom out to like two cents? Like, <laughs> it's, it seems like a no-brainer. Just just pick up a place out of these. They're absolutely broken. They're so strong. I would 100% try and use this in something like Phoenix. Or Mono Red Prowess, for that matter, as well. Absolutely. So they are the, the majority of the, the cards that we want to sort of touch on since the last episode. Again, format looks like it's going to be flipped on its head, but in a good way. So... Mm. I'm just looking forward to, to getting more stupid games in. Maybe it's like Legacy Light. It's as if the whole plan for the Modern Horizon series was to turn Modern into Legacy so that they can distance themselves further from the reserve list and not have to worry about people screaming at them to abolish it. Yeah. Galaxy Brain. What? It's like Crazy. chess over here. <laughs> I've only been saying that for two years. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Pioneer would hopefully be modern if when, when people care about Pioneer. Let's hope. And and you know what? I really hope people do care more about Pioneer right now because the best Same. deck in the format is currently is it Phoenix. So, I am shocked to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, one thing we wanted to do before we get on to Q&A is we wanted to just sort of give a quick update on the state of Pauper with Modern Horizons 2 because, well, there's one word that's on everyone's lips right now in the Pauper community and that is Chatterstorm. 
the one and a green create a one one green squirrel creature token with storm it's the payoff at common for storm in the green red uh, storm archetype in modern horizons 2 draft format and it is definitely making i won't say waves it's closer to tsunamis um <laughs> in in the format because it's extremely consistent like the the popper format, by the way, if you don't know, is so full of incredibly potent, cheap and free spells. Like you have Lotus Petal, you have uh, Manamorphose, you have Faithless Looting, you have the Chromatic Sphere and Star, you have all it. Like the deck basically kind of builds itself. But with that said, there's still no sort of consistent best build at the moment. It's probably just going to eat a ban very quickly. Like Gavin Verhey even said, like, we're, we're going to be keeping an eye on it. We are aware of it, but we think it might be okay. Turns out no. probably not, but yeah, yeah. Shall we? Shall we get Gavin on once it gets banned? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 t- we'll title the episode like episode fifty-three or whatever it is. Like Gavin Verhey <laughs> yeah. explains himself for Chatterstorm. <laughs> Interrogation. <laughs> yeah. One of the other things as well that has been getting a lot of new toys is Affinity, which I'm liking. I'm liking too because I play Affinity in a pauper. Yeah. Granted, I play the Jeskai version at the moment because I mm-hmm. like to play Fraven Inspector, but from our conversation before recording, it sounds like is it's the best pairing, so I might just have to scrap the white. It's starting to get there. Like, the archetype is kind of splintering. So there are some builds that are still running, say, like the Atog Fling kind of game plan and that sort of stuff, but there are also some grindy builds sort of showing up with Ethereum Spinner, which is a neat little card that kind of flew under a lot of people's radar. And... Ethereum Spinner is two and a blue for a 2-1 artifact creature, human wizard. And it says, whenever you cast a spell with mana value four or greater, you create a 1-1 colorless topter artifact creature token with flying. Now that sounds like a great thing for, you know, like the affinity archetype or whatever in Modern Horizons 2 draft format. But it also happens to be great in Pauper because they already play four Mirror Enforcer, which are seven mana or in this case, zero mana four fours. And they've also just gotten playset of Sojourner's Companion, which is a mirror enforcer. It's a seven mana artifact creature, Salamander. The art is fantastic, by the way. A little Quicksilver Axolotl. It's a 4-4 four four as well with affinity for artifacts, but it also has artifact land cycling too. So you can pay two, discard this, and then go tutor up an artifact land. So it's basically a strictly better version, but decks are running eight copies in total. And then Ethereum Spinner basically just says when you play when you pay zero mana for your four four, also get a one one flyer. Like when you when you word it like that, because that's realistically pretty close to what you're gonna be doing, that seems incredible. There's a lot of stuff like this. It's probably gonna be the best post ban deck, I would say. Yeah. Or close to it if someone fi- if people finally settle on a list. But yeah. Also, the indestructible lands. Seems so good. But goodbye, Gorilla Shaman, like <laughs> that is not a sideboard card anymore no well no. i suspect affinity decks are still going to play the monocolor artifact lands right to an extent but granted yeah gorilla Shaman does become worse when these lands come out and i'm quite excited to play them in infinity myself yeah absolutely like the best thing to do post board against any deck that had red in it for fear of Gorilla Shaman was mulligan until you hit a Darksteel Citadel and then you're probably fine. Yeah. You know, you can sort of squeak by. But now, like, for example, the, the blue-red versions run the four Darksteel Citadel and four of the uh, blue-red artifact land. Yeah. And 
that's now doubling the chances of getting that you know and you can easily just throw another place out of them in somewhere as well you know so it's really really not hard to just completely blank that card's text so yeah speaking of those dual lands people are also trying to abuse them by pairing them with cleansing wildfire to ramp up that's cute you know, you, i like that you, you quote unquote destroy your indestructible yeah. land which doesn't destroy and then you go and get a basic and put it into play and draw a card so for two mana that seems pretty pretty gross it's like red rampant growth with upside yeah, yeah. <laughs> cantripping rampant growth that's kind of disgusting that is gross and then there are other weird sort of hybrid affinity sort of mid-range decks that are using stuff like Chrome Courier. So it's one white and a blue for an artifact creature, Thopter. It's a 1-1 with flying. When it's the battlefield, reveal the top two cards of your library, put one into your hand, the other into the graveyard. And if you bind, uh, or if you put an artifact card into your hand, this way you gain three life. So this is quite nice for decks that run a lot of artifacts, not necessarily being as, as aggressive as Affinity, but might also look to pair with it, say, like Archaeomancers and Ephemerates and Muldrifters and Thawcasts and Prophetic Prisms. And you get this weird sort of hybrid deck that sort of meshes together. It seems quite You neat. also have the new Muldrifter, the Simic one as well, at Common. Yes. Also right. seems... I don't think it's better than Muldrifter, but it's just nice to have extra copies, right? Yeah. I think it might be better than Muldrifter if you were to build like a Simic Affinity list, yeah. maybe? Possibly. I'm not sure. Work. It's weird. But yeah. Then finally, uh, Jund Cascade has kind of gotten a new toy with Galvanic Relay. Galvanic Relay is two and a red, sorcery, exile the top card of your library, during your next turn you may play that card, and it has Storm. So, it's weirdly a fair Storm card, which we don't see very often. <laughs> so, the idea of putting this into Jund Cascade is it's fine to play on, like, turn two, so that you can find something to do in the next turn or whatever, but also, if you cast one of your Cascade spells, like, say, Boarding Party, and hit a Galvanic Relay, you've already cast Boarding Party before it, which means that this will exile two cards, and you can play them next turn. So it's like a free divination, you know, and it's also pretty easy to trigger it multiple times. You know, you could play, like, a Utopia Sprawl, play a Mana Rock, and then play a Cascade thing, and then suddenly you're exiling, like, four cards. So, yeah, it's a, it's a neat little thing. I still don't know how it doesn't die to Chatterstorm, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. post that, it's kind of neat, I guess. It's good that we're talking about Pauper post-Chatterstorm ban already. It's only been three days. Mm. <laughs> it's been three days and already... <laughs> Oof, yeah. Oof, long three days. Yeah. All right, so that's basically it for the episode, for the most part. Um, we covered a lot there. We've gone into Pauper, Modern, Free Spells dumb stuff bands already talking about bands um <laughs> yeah no we're we're definitely not making things worse by talking about bands this early but yes to round it out emma have we got any q a we do we've got a couple of uh, i say questions and more tweets just from folks just uh, letting us know of some good deals mm -hmm. so we've got a tweet from evie the maze 97 and they say yavamaya cradle of growth is a card that people are excited about in mh2 yeah true because it, it's Urborg for, for green like why wouldn't you be um, mm -hmm. they're loving it because it gives evasion to elves and EDH thanks and in modern thanks to elvish champion yes because elvish champion gives you elves forest walk which pairs really well with, with Yavimaya that said elvish champion is really expensive because mm. it's not seen a reprint in ages and it's an elf yeah. um, so for budget EDH players they suggest lumbering satyr which is 20 cents each and lumbering nice. satyr is a it's a card from Acadia Masks 
So for two generic and two green, you get a creature beast, and it just says all creatures gain forest walk, and it's a 5-4. It doesn't look like a satyr in the art. It looks like a, the rancor <laughs> from Star Wars, but if you're after a forest walk effect for, to go with your land, this is a really good one to do. It's, it's not an elf, but I don't think that's too much of a downside. But yeah, this seems a good one. Yeah. The thing to point out with Lumbering Cider, though, to just be very careful with, it is awesome and it's brilliant, and I would say run it. However, it gives all creatures forest walk. So if you're yeah. against another opponent with big, chunky creatures, be careful because they can come after you for free as well. Yeah. So Jeffrey David uh, popped in a tweet as well to go, uh, just to say, look at the early results on MTGO. It seems like the Rakdos Chef, don't make me try and say the name, we all know who it is. Um, mm -hmm. The deck might be a thing. Can we all agree on a nickname? Because there's no way I'm saying her actual name. Aismo, Discard Chef. I go with Human Wizard at the minute, which might be a bit generic, but what about you? Well, I'm going by what... I can't remember if it was either Aaron Forsyth or Gavin Verhey said that to their friends, they're known as Asmora. Okay. So that's what I'm going by anyway. I'm saying Asmora. I know a lot of, a lot of Americans seem to have taken to saying Asmo. Which, yeah, Americans, Americans sure. say A's a bit differently to us, though. They, they kind of drag it out a little bit. I'm, I'm not pronouncing the whole thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm going by Asmora. I, I won't be I'm changing that. And okay. even like in a deck rage situation, you don't need to pronounce the whole card. You just need to explain what it does. So there's no need for you to know the whole name unless you're writing it out on like a deck rage, which I probably wouldn't do that anyway. I'd just type it out, but you know. Yeah. I think uh, as as more as the only card where if you were to write that in like you know doctor's script on a deck list, you know they'll probably be like, yeah, we know what they're talking about. It's fine. Yeah, Joe <laughs> doesn't want to give you a game loss for that. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we have a tweet from Pavel Villino. Uh, they say a whole bunch of food and discard decks have been popping up on MTGO, and they look like to be the real deal, as we said earlier. With potentially the strongest card being Feasting Troll King. Picking up a set before MH2 releases of paper might be smart, uh, especially if you want to play the deck. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they seem pretty affordable at the moment. It's worth noting that Eldraine rotates out end of the year as well, so mm -hmm. that will just probably influence the price further. I believe they rotate out in September, so mm -hmm. it might be a good shout just to pick up for and forget about it. Um, and then Jeffrey David replied to that tweet uh, just to say, if you can get hold of Vengevines, good luck, because they're starting to shoot up in price as well. Um, before previous finish, Vengevines were $6, and now they've just doubled up because of its potential in Modern Horizons too. So if you can get a cheap deal on Vengevines, go for it. Um, but it, it might be hard at the moment. Yeah. Just on Vengevines, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say my two cents on this. If you're looking at getting Venge Vines for the Hollow One or the Food Vine deck, whatever way you want to call it, don't. In my opinion, I've pl I've played and tried this a lot. Venge Vine is terrible. Get rid of your Insolent Neonates as well. Swap them out for <laughs> the proper Hollow One package, you know, like the Flame Blade Adepts and that kind of thing. Because it makes you less susceptible to Graveyard Hate and it gives you an opportunity to actually do something if your opponent has something like a Rip or a Leyline or whatever. But also, it's very hard to cast two other creature spells and get the Vengevines in the bin at the same time. Like, a lot of boxes have to be checked for that. The reason that stuff like the, the Feasting Troll King and all is working so well is because it's so easy to just discard a bunch of spells and you don't have to spend any mana or anything to get them back. You know, like you just have an underworld cookbook on say turn one, you pitch the troll king, you make a food, you untap, you then tap the cookbook 
discard the bartered cow, make two foods. You now have three foods, you sacrifice it and you bring back the Troll King. That's super clean, super easy. All you have to do is just have a way to put them in the bin. Vengevine, you have to have a way to put them in the bin. Then you have to have the mana available in order to cast two other spells. Now, Blazing Root Walla does help, but I don't think it's good enough by itself. And I don't think Insolent Neonate is the right kind of thing either. It just feels like the whole thing just has a few too many hoops to jump through. If you really want to be all in on a proper graveyardy kind of thing, just work on the Feasting Troll Kings and stuff and have a backup plan of the Flameblade Adepts. I have honestly goldfished this deck far too many times in the last week. I've I've nearly had my playmat burned into my retinas at this point. It's, it's kind of silly. Yeah. Time to get a new yeah. playmat then. Yeah. Yeah. Feasting Troll King playmat. Let's go. Maybe Faithless Looting just to remember a more somber time. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a custom art done of the main person in the front of the Faithless Looting art and get it replaced mm. by Feasting Troll King. Maybe we can commission a playmat of Faithless Looting and it's just like you and me. The actual the actual people on Faithless Looting. <laughs> <laughs> Beaten down on the modern ban list. Yeah. and the purple one, obviously. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us here at the BM Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, and Christopher McCarthy. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, A Nice Planeswalker, Nerblin, Everett Brogan,